So welcome to another episode of the EVs and Beyond podcast. I'm on the road again this week, so no news, but yet again, that means we get relatively quickly into a really good interview. First, I just want to acknowledge our sponsors. These guys are the foundation that have kept EVs and Beyond funded and able to get out great EV news to you. They are AutoHub, YHI Energy, Mercury, Drive Electric, Provident Insurance and Charge.net.nz. So uh, thanks to those guys supporting us. Now, our interview this week comes off the back of a launch of a pretty important, pretty interesting electric vehicle. A vehicle's the right term, I guess. We're joined by Paul Owen, who is a motoring journalist, but especially at the moment for this topic, a motorcycle riding journalist who has uh, ridden and reviewed the Harley Davidson Livewire for EVs and Beyond magazine. If you go and pick up the copy that's out this week online, it's available free online on our website. He has a great review of the bike in there. So thanks for joining us, Paul. Oh, pleasure to be here. <laughs> you're on a bit of a riding tour at the moment yourself, aren't you? I'm not sure you're on motorbikes. Oh, well, I'm actually riding electric. I'm actually on a specialized Creo bicycle, which is an amazing, amazing little bike, especially if you're, you're going long distance because it's, Although it's only got a 320-watt battery, you can also put a little bottle cage battery on it, which adds another 160 watts. So all up, you get 480 watts, but you've only got a little motor that's using that power, and so you can go quite a distance. So it's about, you know, it's well over 100 k's you can squeeze out of out of a charge. So I imagine you have to use a little bit of leg power with that too, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yesterday we were being hit by 100-kilometre headwinds and it was raining and cold and wet and it was probably probably the most horrendous ride I've ever done, but, but it was still fun. It was still fun. <laughs> still, probably still a little nicer than doing it without the electric assistance. Look, we passed people on the Hauraki Rail Trail with just normal bikes and they were walking their bikes. That's, oh, right. how, ba- that's how bad the conditions were. They couldn't ride. They were just getting blown off. So, yeah, I mean, electric assist is a great thing to have on a bicycle, but the Harley Livewire is just a whole different ball game in terms of an electrified two-wheeler. It's It really does take it to a, to a level that I've never experienced before. Mm. And they've called the all-electric powertrain, which I think they're going to use in other bikes as well, the Revelation. I mean, is it, yeah. is, is it a fitting name? Yeah, well, <laughs> I sort of felt like, you know, my name's Paul, and I was up, I felt like Pukekohe Racetrack was the road to Damascus when I lit that bike up on the straight for the first time. The the thing just pulled my arms off. It was literally revelationary, the level of acceleration that was on off. And I can see, you know, for folk that, that can afford that level of power, it's going to be a pleasure that, that they'll really enjoy. So if we look at the numbers, it's a, an 80 kilowatt motor and 160 newton metres of torque. I mean, is that, yeah. is that particularly, I'm not really a bike guy, is that impressive for a motorcycle? Well, not really. I mean, my ordinary Ducati is putting out 92 newton metres of torque. It only weighs 180 kilos. The live wire weighs up 250 kilos and is putting out, you know, roughly 20 more newton metres of torque. But because it's electric, that torque arrives so early in the in the rev range. You know, the, the Ducati has to get to 8,000 revs before it's making that torque whereas the livewire is making it right at the bottom and it's lasting all the way through the rep range. So there's a muscularity to the way it delivers its power that that is quite eye-opening and exciting. And for those that are going to actually own one and, and ride it, I'm sure that that pleasure that they get when they open the throttle will, will be a lasting one. It'll be something 
you know, maybe because of the pricing, uh, it's probably going to be somebody who already has a few vehicles in the garage, but I think there'll be plenty of times when they'll be going, oh, it's a nice day, I'll just go for a quick ride on the live wire just to experience just what a fantastic machine it is. Yeah, and it is a, a quick ride when you when you say that. I mean, it's zero to one hundred and three seconds, and you know that's Tesla. Yeah. Like, Tesla owners like to brag a lot about their ability to sprint, but um, I think only really the top of the of the Model S range can get close to that. Yeah, well, it, the funny thing is, like I, I've driven cars that that do zero to one hundred in, in supposedly less than three seconds, and it takes a special person to get them to meet that claim. You know, you have to be a an expert at launching the car to get, say, um, a Porsche 911 Turbo to 2.9 seconds, whereas the Lifewire, you feel like your granny could do it, you know, like you jump on and just whack that throttle open and the way the controllers and, and the traction control and everything works, it just comes out of the hole like it's tails on fire. It's fantastic. So how does it ride other than that? brutal acceleration i mean is, is it a nice bike to ride or is it well, compromised that, that's the thing because it, it it actually inhabits you know in terms of the chassis it, it actually inhabits an area where harley haven't really been before because it has decent ground clearance and it's got decent suspension it's got probably some of the best brakes i've ever ridden with and these are these are all dynamic areas where harley has tended to dumb their bikes down but this one <laughs> This one is is like, you know, you hop on it and you go, ah, oh, I never knew Harley had this in them in terms of the way it steers and, and the way, it, way the suspension works and the way it brakes. The way it brakes especially is just absolutely amazing. But it does have some residual Harley DNA in, it, in the way it handles, like the wheelbase is quite long, the weight's carried low, the, the riding position is fairly upright. So, you know, those are all probably bits of trad Harley that the live wire possesses and in some ways I'm a little critical of it because I think I think it actually could would have been a better bike if they just tilted the riding position uh, so that the rider's upper body's tilted forward a bit and the bars are, the bars are too high I would have liked to have lowered the bars and and just just adopted a more racy stance on the bike because the bike is quite racy. Mm. Now, we're talking about that, that acceleration where you say granny can do it but I'm looking through some of the notes and I understand unlike most motorbikes but a bit more like the bike like cars this has has modes you can put it in that change its its dynamics can you indicate that yeah yeah and um the modes are, are more based around the 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 regeneration of power when you're slowing down and um the throttle response so basically there's um there's three different throttle response and settings and this is just with from the factory so you have a sport mode which is aggressive acceleration and and a quick operating throttle you have a highway mode which produces the same power but the throttle acts in a more moderate way like and and that was my preferred throttle setting just because because it was more predictable you know like you seem to get to the power pretty quickly but also in in terms of coming off a corner and just just maximizing traction and things it was just a little bit more predictable yeah whereas sport sport was just activating traction quite a bit especially coming out of the airpin guy there's there's quite a bumpy exit there and the bike was actually lighting up quite a bit coming out of the air <laughs> 
Have you had a think about about the use case? I mean, look, let's go through the numbers again. It's a a, a fifteen point five kilowatt Samsung lithium ion battery. It's air cooled. I think it has a about a forty minute zero to eighty charge time on a DC charger. If top of my head. Yeah. And they're saying combined range about one hundred and seventy round town two thirty five. I've heard numbers. Perhaps if you were going to go for a bit of a ride on the weekend, a bit lower than that 170. What do you expect people to use this for? I mean, could someone potentially do short hop touring in it, or is it more likely to be a bit of a cafe kind of Saturday runner? I think if you if you were going touring, you'd you'd have to be quite careful about which mode you rode in. You'd probably even go into eco mode, just simply because it's still a satisfying bike to ride because it has a surplus of power. And so when you go into the eco mode, it's it actually still is quite a lively bike to ride so it's still it'll still give you that feeling of effortless performance but you'll conserve the battery to the point of doubling your range so you know it's still a valid touring bike in that regard in that mode but only if you've got your journey carefully planned for me i i just see it more i see it more as the urban commuter for those that that really really want a, a quality experience of commuting you know, because it, it is such an enjoyable ride across town. And it's very balanced. It's beautifully balanced. As you as you come come to a traffic light and that, you can virtually stop without putting your foot down. It's just got such a, a lovely balance to it. And, yeah, it's just – and just the, the silence and everything, you know, like Harleys have often been obnoxiously loud and, and you know, the potato, potato, potato thing is not – something everybody subscribes to you know some people call the traditional harley beach when the air compressor so you know to have something that's so different something that that is more not like a, a cruising powerboat but something more like an america's cup yacht on the road you know because it, it is a performance thing and it's but it's silent and it and it it goes like stink and yeah, you, you'd all, if you were using one to go to work on, on sunny days, you'd always arrive either back home or at work with a huge grin on your face and having had the perfect start to the day or the, or the perfect ending to the day. So that's where I see it going most. I think the people that traditional Harley folk and, and certainly the people that have bought a live wire so far in New Zealand haven't been traditional Harley folk, but I think if they are attracted to the idea of commuting on an electric motorcycle but they're hardy traditional hardy people they will have a separate bike for their touring activities and just use the live wire for for just a, a quick blast around the countryside but not far from home and then commuting most of the time yeah the whole lack of a sound thing and, and i guess this applies in general to motorcycles rather than just necessarily the live wire and harley davidson i mean as a long-term biker is that a big loss i mean will people lament the whole shift towards this these quiet smooth bikes as opposed to what the sounds normally been part of the motorcycle experience i think harley or not i think harley have been quite mindful of that because all the controls um have a haptic pulse and the bike actually pulses when once you've turned it on right so, so you're aware that there's some beating heart underneath you you know and that's that's quite a Quite a neat bit of emotion that they've managed to add to the bike and then when you when you are accelerating hard you do get a, a sound that's more like a jet on takeoff and that so sound, still sound it's just different yeah that that sound level increases as you know the harder you accelerate so you just get this lovely you know f16 noise 
happening underneath you that to me quite quite attractive and and you know as somebody who has valued you know the sound of bikes to the point where a Ducati has to be in the garage in terms of the sound yeah it was it was quite revelationary again how much I felt emotionally attached to the live world yeah discussions I've had in the past with people about the live world suggested that perhaps it could either draw some people who perhaps rode in their youth and haven't ridden in a long time but can now have Tesla or Livewire money or never ridden but have, have Tesla money may go and grab a Livewire just because they love the technology. Uh, are you concerned that this uh, this bike, is this bike usable enough that relatively new riders who are new to larger bikes can handle it safely enough? Well, it has as big a suite of riding aids as possible. It has very good traction control, very good brakes very good ABS fitted to those brakes like there's no way that if you turn that ABS off and tried to stop the bike faster than it can do with the ABS that you'd you'd achieve it the ABS is that good it's got good tires it's got a really good suspension package for New Zealand roads you know we don't have the the greatest roads in the world and and Harleys have been quite short in that area for many years some you know and, and in terms of them being softly suspended and running out of travel and bouncing and things. But but this is a very easy bike to ride. I wouldn't feel concerned if if somebody was on a learner license and jumped on a live wire. The power is so predictable and you know nothing's gonna surprise them really, except <laughs> that they may just go a little faster than they usually do. Yep. Now we've kind of touched on the price earlier and, and we should we should should uh, look at that elephant in the room. It is fifty three nine nine five. Yeah, which I note makes it not the most expensive Harley on Harley Davidson's price list in New Zealand. No, but for a bike of that kind, that is that's that's a little bit. Yeah, I think you know certainly you know the, I've spoken to two Harley dealers, well the two Harley dealers that sell the live fire wire about it and they see the price as the biggest inhibition to people buying them you know more way more than the range and um they're they've they've invested huge money in putting in dc charges and things outside their dealerships and uh you know training up staff and everything it's it's pretty close from what i can tell it's probably close to 100 grand that a hardy dealer has to put into his dealership to sell live wire in new zealand you know where the potential is only a only a handful of sales. I mean, you know, you got to wonder where the break-even point is. It's probably probably 20 sales before they actually start making money on Livewire. But what they're hanging out for is, are the next models that are going to come from Harley. So so what, what, what are they looking at? I mean, are this going to be a Lambs bike? Is there going to be an adventure bike like we've seen a long way up? There was a hint that it, there could be a scooter, but it's all based around the same powertrain. So it'll be a performance scooter if there is. But, you know, it'll have uh, proper weather protection and be able to carry extra stuff and, and things like that. So from a commuting point of view, it's probably a better option than, you know, the live wire is a bit of a show pony, pony in the way it's designed. It's it's designed to attract the eye and everything. It does I, look I, magnificent. <laughs> I, I think I think the models that will follow it will be be more utilitarian. And although they'll still bear the brand and everything, they will be even more unHarley than the Livewires. The Livewires still got a lot of Harley DNA 
Whereas I think I think the next models they got to move more in the direction of um, mainstream. And yeah, I'm, I predict that you'll soon see uh, an electric motorcycle with that same powertrain from Harley. That that'll be around thirty nine thousand dollars. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so and that that really opens up a whole new a whole new market for Harley's electric motorcycle initiative. Now, of course, uh, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor are currently, well, have, well, did last year, rode up from uh, the bottom of South America to LA on a couple of modified live wires. Have you been watching that at all? Had a chance to look at the show yet? I've only managed to catch up with, with the various interviews of, of mainly Charlie. Yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't actually um, caught an episode yet, other than the trailers and things. But hats off to them. You know, when I when I when I first heard that they were going to use the live wire, it was like, oh my god. <laughs> but but now having ridden the bike and how easy it is to ride and and how tractable it is, you know, like you know, obviously they'll be going over unsealed roads and things. You know, it suddenly made sense to me. And plus, if if you've got a follow up of Rivian pickups and things, then then you're all you're all concerned about range and and things. And I understand they they ran out quite a few times, but yeah, I can see why they did it. Why they because it just takes a formula to it just makes it different it suddenly it's it's and it's also grabbing grabbing a younger lot of viewers because all all us adventure touring motorcyclists we're all we're all getting a little old hat so yeah <laughs> for those who haven't seen them yet the bikes they use well they're based on the live wire they were they were kind of reformulated by a bunch of Harley engineers doing it on their time off I believe mostly yeah and they look magnificent and from what I've been I'm, I'm up to date in the series they they look like they've handled the roads incredibly well. I think the the way they set suspension and so forth. They've actually had far more technical issues with the Rivians than they have with the the live wires. Right. They, they seem to have done it done it incredibly well. And in fairness, I mean it's not necessarily as challenging as perhaps the trips they've done before. The roads are a lot better and that they do seem to have found a lot of charging spaces. And there's talk of they had and they admitted at times they had backup trucks with generators on them. But it's certainly really impressive and, and cool to watch how far they are getting, and it, it shows that the amount of times that the old you know saying that when you're electric car, when you're an electric vehicle, any plug is a petrol station. It's amazing how much of that they're getting away with. Though I think sometimes they're they're shortening the process a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crowded so. editing. <laughs> Excellent. Look, well, thank you very much for, for joining us, Paul. I appreciate that you took your time out from your uh, your ride uh, out there to have a chat to us. Yeah, well, we've got a, got a lovely sunny day today. So, um, yeah, the horror the horror shows are over. So, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy pushing some pedals. And um, and it's a great way to see the countryside if you haven't tried it. And I hope you've got a couple of charged batteries to push you forward. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just – each Airbnb stop, I'm, I'm just um, – you know, sucking as much electricity as I can. <laughs> Excellent. Look, so uh, if you're listening to this, don't forget to uh, grab the October version of EVs and Beyond magazine and you can read uh, Paul's great story there. There's some great photographs as well. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, do whatever you can with this podcast to get it out to your friends and convince them that they should go and buy a live wire as well. Thanks for, so much, Paul. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the EVs and Beyond podcast. Do not forget to throw us a five-star rating and share the podcast. It really helps us out. We'll catch you again in two weeks' time. 